Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. The boys in white and blue, and we're back with another episode of the Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And as always, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. We've got a packed show for you again this week. And we do, we've got a lot of great stuff to cover in the show. We're going to be talking the new Canadian Premier team out in Langley, in the Fraser Valley, Vancouver FC. We're going to hear a little bit of audio from owner Rob Friend. We've got an exclusive interview with new Vancouver FC head coach Asvin Gottby. We're going to hear from the CPL commissioner, Martin Noonan, about the new team. And will there be nine teams in the Canadian Premier League next season. We're also going to look at yesterday's MLS Cup final. We're going to chat about a couple of things that were covered in Don Garber's MLS annual State of the League address. And we're going to talk World Cup. We're going to talk some Canadian injuries. But most excitingly, and this is something that I've had in my back pocket for quite a while now, we're going to bring you a world premiere of the new, unofficial, although official for AFTN, <laughs> Canada World Cup song. So that is all to come. But, but before we get into any of that, how has your week been, Zach? Well, I mean, the gathering in, in Langley made it a special week, didn't it? I think it did. Um, which, I mean, I couldn't actually be there for all of it. It was, it was an eventful night. It, you know, I couldn't be there for all of it, so I showed up after I was able to complete my time at work. And then before I walked into the event, of course, I locked my keys in my vehicle, which yes. made the night a long night, which was fine. Made my night a long night as well. I would have left about half an hour before I did if I wasn't trying to help you out. And in the end, I didn't provide any help whatsoever, but there we go. No, no, it's all good. Uh, I was yeah, thankful for a good friend who was able to drive in to get a spare set of keys. Um, I should really should get, re- I should, should return to getting a BCA membership once you, again. You should for stuff like that. I think you can yeah. join on the night though, and they would come and do it. So, oh yeah, I should probably suggested that to you on Wednesday. Cause yeah, I, I did try to get mine to help you out. It was going to be 90 minutes before the game. So 
Yeah, that which, which seems appropriate, ninety minutes. But yeah, no, yeah. that oh for a football I mean, meeting, of course. Exactly. No, it was that was a really really fun night. Got to uh, connect with people and um, yeah, see see some of the stuff finally. And uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about that more later. But yeah. no, that that's the the footballing highlight of the week for sure. Oh, definitely. There's some footballing low points that we we'll also get to. Later, yeah, but- we're certainly <laughs> going to cover all of that in this show for sure. Uh, I hope I can get through this show with my voice holding out because. I was up at UBC this weekend doing the Canada West Final Four for both the men and the women because of a quirk in results that saw all the Prairie Division teams lose in the women's quarterfinals, which meant UBC ended up hosting both the men's and the women's events. Eight games in three days and basically a 48-hour time period has really taken a toll on my voice, as you might hear in this one, but just want to say a massive well done to UBC Thunderbirds. Landed Canada West gold again for both the men and the women. Absolutely fantastic few days of action up there. Looking forward to the Nationals that is coming up this week as well. Can they get gold medal in that? The women this season have been absolutely phenomenal. And it's been an absolute pleasure to do the commentary for the, the T-Birds this year. I am already missing it. And I, I wish I was heading off to either Laval for the women or Kamloops for the men. Although after a couple of people sent me pictures this evening of the snow in Kamloops, I think I might be oh, quite yeah. glad that I'm not going. The pitch at Hillside, Victor Lizzie sent me a, a photo from yesterday. It's absolutely deep in snow. So that should be very interesting. The Nationals are going to be streamed on CBC Gem and on the CBC website I think the final is actually going to be on CBC itself, but you can check out all that action this weekend. Now, let's kick off the show. And we're going to start off by talking about Canada and the World Cup. Zach, you and myself got a quick chance to chat with John Herdman at that yeah. event on Wednesday night. Yeah. As did our good friend Har, who told him not to play Lucas Cavallini. <laughs> he just laughed that one off to Said he's one one of the oh, no. boys. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he said, no, I think he also said, yeah, he's a good boy or he's a great yeah. guy. Or whatever. Um, yeah, I can't remember if I told you this, but um, some of the CSA people got in touch earlier about some of the Voyagers banners that are in mm. the, the Lower Mainland and stuff. Did they tell you about this? Yeah, but tell okay, the so, listeners. So sent them all off or whatever. So when John was leaving there, he came over. It was good to connect. And I said, hey, the banners you requested, they've been sent, and I've, I've seen that they've arrived or whatever, I think, by that point. Uh, I think they arrived on Wednesday. And um, he was like, oh, okay, sweet, great. He's like, we're going to put them up at the training ground to inspire their players, blah, 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 that you know, everyone's backing them, supporting them. And then he was like, oh, yeah. like He's like, are you going to be in Qatar? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the plan, yeah. And uh, so then he's like, okay, we got to connect on this, and there's some stuff we want to do, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, okay, sweet. Um, so looking forward to... Yeah, hopefully connecting over there, you know, at the matches, obviously, but maybe for some other stuff as well. I also want to just say that I'm looking forward to connect with John next year as well because he's going to come on the show. Yeah, oh yeah. Yes, and he confirmed that. It was his idea. It wasn't me pushing him to, to do it. So, yeah, looking forward to that. I was thinking we've actually got our 10th year anniversary coming up in March of the podcast. Right. I, I don't I don't make a big deal with this because uh, maybe I should, but we are the longest consecutive running soccer podcast in at least Canada. I'm not sure about the rest of North America because I'm not sure about the American podcast, but definitely in Canada, for the podcasts that are still going, 
with the longest running soccer podcast. There you go. So we celebrate our 10th anniversary in March next year. So it's going to be a, a special month. We're going to have a, a special number of shows. So we'll have John on chatting about his experience at the World Cup and a lot more besides for, mm-hmm. for that next year. Of course, World Cup, John was flying off to Qatar right after that event yeah, in Langley yeah. on Wednesday night, which was crazy. He couldn't get away. Everyone wanted selfies. Everyone wanted to talk to him, but he got away in the end. He got on his flight there. Canada's heading off to Bahrain. They announced their squad this week for that match, and it's it's going to be an MLS domestic-heavy squad with a couple of other players here and there as obviously other players can't get released because it's out with a, a window and the league campaigns are still in full flow, as we sadly know from a couple of incidents this week. Yeah. We won't delve into that game too much. The The squad for the, the World Cup is going to get announced before the Japan friendly that's coming up as well. So not sure if... We'll get a chance to speak to Zach about that before he heads off to Qatar. We'll hopefully speak a bit more to Zach about his Qatar trip next week. But let, let's look at three big stories around injuries this week in the Canadian national team. First of all, it was confirmed that after an injury he picked up playing for Jean Regensburg, defender Scott Kennedy ruled out with a shoulder injury. I know a lot of people might be like, "Oh, it's not that big of a deal. He didn't play that that much." But I think I think he's a huge, huge loss to uh, the squad because I think he gave them an, a couple of important options. One is he's a left-footed center back, mm-hmm. which they have very limited. I think is Derek the only other one that I can think of like that they've had in the pool. Um, so that's huge. He's also uh, I haven't watched a lot of Ian Regensburg, unfortunately. Um, not for lack of trying, um, but uh, he's I, I know <laughs> I, I, he's a quite a quick center back, and I know we have a number of you know relatively quick center backs, but he is he is quite quick, especially for his size, and so uh, and the games he played in, he did like exceptionally well. He like, did. I, I think he played was, eight games over the last two years. Yeah, and so I just just gutted for him. So sad for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and. Like genuinely, and we're obviously going to come to this, any player on any squad right now that picks up an injury in the build-up to a few weeks or months out of this World Cup, it is absolutely heartbreaking because for some of them, it may be their only opportunity to ever play at a World Cup. And you just hate to see that. In Scott Kennedy's case, I mean, he was going to be probably a backup. You, you yeah. look at the defenders that's ahead of him. You've got Kamal Miller, Stephen Vittoria, Alistair Johnston. Well, yeah, he was never going to start. No, but... I mean, he, he's a, a depth thing. But as you say, like an injury suddenly thrusts him in. A suspension suddenly thrusts him in. He was a key depth player. And I think he will be very much missed by that. It sounds from what John Herdman was saying about it in a midweek conference call that it might be opening the door for Daniel Henry to go, which I've got a couple of concerns about. Obviously, regular listeners will know I'm not a huge fan of Daniel Henry's playing abilities, but he hasn't been playing that much, and that is a concern for me. I'd rather see Derek Cornelius there, to be honest. Yeah, though, I, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but supposedly, right, one of the things about Danielle Henry is um, 
how shall I phrase this? His placement within the brotherhood. Like oh, he, right. the, he, he plays a significant role within the community of players. That's like, so even right. if he's not playing or whatever, like he's very much, he, he has a, an influence, a positive influence on the, the camaraderie, the connectivity of the players. And so um, he is that kind of player that I can see being brought solely, be, like not solely, but um, his selection being aided by that. Mm. So um, yeah, I think, I, think, I, I can see that. I don't like that. I'd rather well, have a player picked on, on ability. No, he, of course. He's got the experience, which, I mean, and, that, that is a big tick for him. And sorry, I'm forgetting, of course, Kamal Miller's also left foot, a left-footed center mm. back. Um, so, yeah, he is, the, he is the starting, usually, left-footed center back. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 w- I mean, I wouldn't begrudge... Danielle getting this like getting the opportunity to be involved like I think he's played he played in some of the games he made contributions in qualifying and I think you want guys there who are going to help with some of those intangible things in terms of just the the feel the vibe the momentum the you know uh, the ambition within the group so I, I I'm ha- I'm happy for him to be there I, I agree with you like uh, you know Danielle like any player is prone to make mistakes. And I know you would argue maybe more than others, but um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not disappointed because again, also he is not going, he's not going, he would not be going as a starter, right? He'd be going there as someone who might fill in or might come on if they were, you know, had a late lead or an injury or whatever, that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't think all the things you're concerned about when it's playing. Plus if they need to win a right back, <laughs> he can always do that too. I've just had some flashback memories come to his time here at the Whitecaps let's quickly move on then shall we because this weekend has not been a a good weekend for national team players and World Cup hopes although it's not looking maybe as bad as it was I think when we all went to bed on Saturday night now two big injury stories on Saturday as I say, one confirmed now to be out and one better news confirmed today on Sunday. So let's start with the certainty and I genuinely find this absolutely heartbreaking for him. Yeah. I I wasn't watching the MLS Cup live. We're going to talk about the MLS Cup in part three so we won't get into the ins and outs of the game. But someone had sent me a message and right away, because I was trying to avoid the score, but because of what the message was, I had to right away had to go and see because it was like was that the message broke. from steve no no oh, someone else oh, someone else went yeah. max has broken his leg and i was yeah. like oh my so yep max cripple may have won an mls cup but he's not going to qatar at least as a player i'm also pretty sure he won't even really be able to to fly right now even just to go and be part of the group it appears that he's shattered a <laughs> shin bone from yeah. a, a tackle that some sent off as well, and we'll get into all that side of it in extra time off Saturday's final. He LAFC sent a press release out today saying that he's undergone successful surgery. Um, it's going to be out for a while, obviously, after a attack on Philadelphia Union's Corey Burke late in that game. I mean, it's heartbreaking for him. He's still only 28, so... I mean, you've got to think he's still very much going to be in the mix, 
probably as the starter for the 2026 World Cup, but you can never say never in this game. You never know who's suddenly going to have a, a great season. He might not have a great season. He might get overtaken in the, the pecking order, all that kind of stuff. But, oh man, it's just, you've just got to feel for him. Oh, it was tragic. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I also was not able to watch the game live. And so I saw Steve's message and I was like, oh no. Yeah. And I, I, I was, also, I thought it was something else at first. I haven't because watched he, he, any of the graphic replays either that's doing around. I don't want to. Yeah, I've only seen, I mean, I've only I, seen. I saw the one, one from distance where it, it happens. I don't yeah. want to see anything more than that. Well, right when it happened too, I said to Kirk, I was just like, oh, Kirk, his leg is broken. <laughs> his leg or his ankle are broken. What, he something? just looked in so much pain when he was getting dealt with as well. He was grabbing the guy that was doing it. Yeah. I, I Like to shatter your shin bone like that, I just cannot imagine the pain you must be going through. Adrenaline's yeah, I, gonna help a tiny, tiny bit, but see, because I didn't, I haven't like rewatched any of the slow mos or the whatever. So, um, well, we can talk about when we get to the game. Yeah. Well, well, you, well, you through. saw the pain that Burke was in from the challenge as well. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, he's a lucky lad that he didn't come off worse by the, by the looks of that. But yeah, I mean, you've worked all year. We've spoken to Max for a couple of years about World Cup, and just to miss out like this. It's tragic. Ah. I mean, obviously, it opens the door now. Minnesota United, Dane St. Clair, Montreal's James, Pan James Pantemis. Got a feel that they're going to be the, the two keepers that go now with Milan Borian. Yeah. Is it, there's no one else, right? Pan Pantemis has been. I was, in thinking, the group. I was thinking about that. As to, is there somebody playing over in Europe that I'm missing here? But I think it's got to be one of those two. The, the run that Montreal had this year, Pantemis has got to be in that mix. Well, and that's what, so yeah, there's form is obviously one part of it. But again, I think Herdman, a significant element for him is what has been the player's role in the in the group, in the qualification and stuff. And Pentamus has been there before, right? Like he's Yeah, well, there. he's in the Bahrain squad as well. Well, but I mean, before, like before that, right? Oh, like, yeah. He's, yeah, he's been, been, he's been, been involved, yeah. And, and I can't think of another keeper that's had a spot with him. Marco Carducci. No, but like in this no, qualification. I, I, know, I know. Yeah, I guess Kurt, yeah. He, he did get called up for one of the games, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the, the tragic news for Max. I say we'll get into the MLS Cup side of it in part three. The morning yesterday, I, I woke up to a message from you and right yeah. away I, I gathered what it was because you hadn't said what it was. No. But I was like, someone's having to Fonzie. And I immediately went on Twitter to see what it was. You, yours was the first message I saw when I woke up on Saturday morning about anything. And then I went and checked that and it's like, oh. I was a little no. surprised you were awake, actually. <laughs> that you I, responded so quickly. I had to be. I was commentating in an hour's time. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah, Fonzie limped off in Bayern's game against Hertha Berlin in the 64th minute, holding his hamstring, just pulled up. And I think he kind of did well in yeah. that he, he did pull up. And I think if he tried to carry on or gone at full pelt at all, it was going to be go gone. And I think he would have been missing yeah. time at the World Cup. He may have saved his World Cup for the way that he dealt with that and the way that Bayern dealt with that. Uh, yeah. It's funny to hear you give some... Um, to give that type of analysis, there's other... 
people who I don't really want to talk about on our show that have given different analysis. Oh, I put that in the rundown. I thought you'd no, love no, to talk about that. No, no, yeah, no, let, no. let's not give him any airtime. I, I, I read that after you sent that message this morning because I had no idea what you were talking yeah, about. I'm going to address that on Twitter this week at some point. Cause... But I was like, wow. Yeah. That, that I mean, w- it, Bayern's not going to issue a statement today saying, and for anyone that hasn't seen this, well, just to explain what we're talking about, Bayern issued a statement this morning, Sunday morning, saying that Fonzie will miss the next two Bayern games, yeah. but he will not miss the World Cup. Yeah. Now, they're not going to issue a statement like that unless they've done a proper medical check. Yeah, well, he had scan, he had a scan or scans done or whatever. Now, so. obviously, things can get worse in training oh, totally. or whatever. Yeah, his recovery can have issues, but, but as right now, it looks like... I think I, I collected sigh of relief across canada when that news came out this morning well there were (laughs) one of the things that happened one of the immediate fallouts of hey he's injured he could be out um it was there seemed to be a significant uptick in resales of canada match tickets on the on the fifa resale site really yeah uh i don't know the actual numbers but some of the people i'm i'm in you know conversation with about 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 the tournament were like Hey, if anyone needs tickets, now's the moment to try and get them. Oh, wow. Um, but and now, then, now it's gone again. They've exactly, probably all been taken exactly. down. <laughs> well, the joke today was like, oh, I wonder how many of those people regret having sold their tickets, right? Because it's not a, like a, you're not making money off. You're actually losing money when you, re, you know, resell them. You're losing 5% or 10% or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So um, like there's service fees or whatever, right? But um, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean... <sighs> Max obviously missing, Scott Kennedy missing. There's some growing list of big name players and key players that's missing for various teams. I mean, I had a quick look just to name four that stood out for me. France are missing Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante, amongst a couple of others as well. Germany are missing Timo Werner as well. I'm okay with that. Okay, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't sure if he was a good one or a bad one for, for well, you guys. I, well, I mean he. I mean, he has he's played most of his career, professional career, at Dead Bull. So I don't really oh. fancy that. I mean, he does provide pace, and all, but I mean, most people who follow European football know him from his what they would probably be deemed a failed uh, stint at Chelsea, um, and he's back at Dead Bull now. But mm. no, uh, here, here's the thing. Um, again, not to go into these other comments directly, but let's maybe address them indirectly. Um, so if people are frustrated about, you know, these injuries and these top players not being at the World Cup, I think there's a couple of things we need to address or whatever. Number one, at every World Cup, there are players missing because they've been injured in the season or oh, the yeah. end of the season or whatever. This happens every tournament. Now, you could argue maybe it feels like there's more this time, whatever. Um, in terms of placing your frustrations or your blames, I think the only place you can do that, I think the most appropriate place you can do that is is FIFA itself and not the clubs with the fixture congestion and whatever, or the leagues themselves, right? These leagues have to get these competitions in in certain periods of time. And uh, I think, yeah, everyone has felt or knows that the fall schedule has been condensed more so than usual, Mm -hmm. right? Like, They've already played a whole group stage of all the European competitions, yes. and that usually goes into December. Yeah, right before um, Christmas. So, so they've they've squished that. There's been you know virtually every week has had two games as opposed to only some you know having one or two weeks here or there where you know top teams would only have one you know uh, you know no midweek game. Um, but again, I think 
if you're frustrated with that or you're angry with that, I think the the you need to place your frustration in the right place. And I think that that lies at the feet of FIFA, not at a team or the leagues. Because well, absolutely, because their hands I, are their hands are tied. Also, I think what a lot of people here don't take into <clears> account, be, like in the many places around the world, it's club before country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, I, which is understandable. Those are, that's who's paying these. these well, that was these my players. next thing because that's the other point is the club are paying these people's wages. It's like yeah. they're employees of this club, and then they're going off to play for a country. And they're the ones that then shoulder the burden off it if they go and get injured but, playing for their, their national team because they've then you, got to replace the player, but yet still pay the player. Like I know football is a unique profession, you know, or sport in general is a unique profession, but there are very, you know, it, the way it works out in football or maybe you could say, you know, with the NBA and how they did all those big teams for the United States of the Olympics, there's very, and maybe ice hockey a little bit as well, there's very few, I can't think of many other examples where it's like your primary payer allows you to take a break from work to go and do the same thing you're doing for them somewhere else, for someone else, essentially, right? Like it's a very unique structure. It's a very unique um, oh, yes. thing. Now, obviously they can gain benefits from it in terms of it raising, you know, the player's values and whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's not all, um, it's not all the all generosity and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And but, for the players um, themselves, especially like a team from Canada, oh, so many of them there, know of that they can seal a deal to Europe if they stand out oh. at this World Cup. Yeah, the players want to be there, of course, because of the stage that it is. But um, yeah, that's it's an important element that people, I think, probably maybe in North America overlook that, hey, this is the, the wages are being paid by the clubs and the clubs are like ha have a significant say in you know what happens and how it happens and when it happens and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I think the the biggest omission of all and the, the squad that's suffering the most is Scotland's missing 26 players at this World Cup. <laughs> and I just find that tragic. <laughs> well, wait, does that mean Ryan Gold is a chance? He might. Do you know what? Scotland could be down to the bare bones as they were in their recent Nations <laughs> League games and he still can't get a call up. But it's okay because he's going to play for Canada. Could you that, uh, so maybe not about Ryan Gold because you actually no because he's in the squad. I was gonna say, you should do a, like an article like Steve Clark includes Ryan Gold in World Cup squad. That's just like a clickbait fun funny one of your funny. Well, con considering that was just a fun throwaway question that I gave to Ryan last week about switching oh, yeah. to Canada, oh, yeah. and then it made yeah. all the headlines in Scottish papers. So I was like, oh okay. So that's but, totally just that's totally just from your question, right? It's absolutely just from my question, <laughs> and I've got like. It, it was it was partly just a little bit jokey around. Yeah, but yeah. I also wanted to plant the seed in his oh, head yeah. that this is a possibility. Michael, you're... In, <laughs> I'm gonna, sometimes you catch yourself before you say something, and I'll, I'll, I won't say what I was going to say, because it'll be taken wrong. <laughs> I was... I, well, yeah. I was going to say, you're, if you're, you're nothing... If, if, if uh, you're nothing else... If you're nothing else, Michael, you're at least a seed planter. I most certainly am. But... That is it for our chat about the World Cup injuries and it has been a little bit doom and gloom this week in that side from a Canadian point of view. So why don't we bring the mood up now and have a feel-good Canadian World Cup story because we're going to bring you now a world exclusive, a Canadian World Cup song by friend of the show, Neil Grant. 
We'll be back with that song and chatting to Neil after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of November, English band, Swede, or as they have to get called over here, the London Swede, because there was another trademarked artist with the name Swede. They hate having to call themselves the London Swede, so... Swede is who they are, and that was their debut single from 1992, The Drowners, and you can find that on their debut self-titled album from the following year as well. And I said last week that I had a toss-up between what band we were going to have as our, our final Artist of the Month for this year, and I say that because in December I've got something a little bit special happening, but we'll we'll get to that. Are you playing all the Christmas all the Christmas songs I've always no, wanted? No, it's not Christmas related. Han- Hanukkah I, I, songs? No, it's not Hanukkah related either. Kwanzaa, it's, Kwanzaa songs? It's something I've thought about doing for a while, and I've, I may as well just tell you now. What the hell? You've you've lured it out of me. It didn't take much. John Peel, an icon to me in the music and DJ radio world, he always had his festive fifty, mm. where listeners voted for their favourite 50 tunes that had been released that year. Initially when he did it, it was any song from any year and they could go up and down, but then he changed it. It had to be songs that were released that particular year and viewers voted their own end with who they wanted. Now obviously I'm not going to throw this open to the viewers or to you either. So I'm coming up with AFTN's Festive 15 and I'm going to be playing over December my 15 favourite songs from 2022. They could be singles, could be album tracks. Just going to put them in an order from 15 to 1, and that's how we're going to do that. But for this month, it is Suede. And I've played them, I've picked them, because I went to see them on Thursday night at the Commodore. Them and Manic Street Preachers in a co-headlining show, and what an absolutely fantastic gig. Gig of the year for me. 
the energy that Brett Anderson and Swede brought was absolutely phenomenal from first song to last. Their new album, Auto Fiction, go listen to it. It's absolutely fantastic. Best album, I feel, since their debut album. They're back to their best form. So we're going to have them over this month. Two songs in this episode from Swede. That was The Drowners to kick off this part. But we're going to keep the musical theme going now because I've been teasing it, mentioned it in the last couple of weeks, but we now have a world exclusive to bring you here at AFTN as we're going to bring you a song written for Canada for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And a little bit of a background to this. After Canada qualified, we were chatting on the show and I said to Zach, we've got to get a Canadian World Cup song written. So I put some feelers out to friend of the show, Neil Grant, and he'd been thinking about who to have as a team to follow if Scotland weren't going to be at the World Cup. And he had gone with Canada yes. and it all tied in. He wasn't sure about writing it. So I gave him a bit of encouragement, pushed him. He's come up with a, a great song. You've heard it, Zach. What's, what's your thoughts on it? I like the lyrics. Um, I, I think it's. I know it's, the style of music's not really your. The, kind the of style, style of music, yeah, it's not totally my my cup of tea. But like, I, like I, I definitely appreciate the the effort, and like I think, like I can see like this playing nonstop on match days at your house. Like I've just been playing nonstop <laughs> in my head since you sent it to me a few weeks ago. I've been sitting on this for a few weeks, but the release date is November seventh, so we've had to hold it on until this episode. Well, I think like what's that song you you always play when we do Canada interviews? Oh, uh, the Yummy for Canadian Flag. Yeah, I think you're you're going to use clips from this song in addition to that in the future. I still love the Yummy for. No, no, I know, but I think you'll do some variation. Ah, maybe, or it's not variation. You'll do like some. Uh, maybe the Yummy for will be the intro, and this will be the outro, or vice versa. Well. I- Everyone's going to be thinking, what are you talking about? Let us hear this song that you're talking about. Well, we're going to play it shortly. But before we do that, I want to welcome back to the show. He was on our show in, I think it was July 2021, the last time we spoke to him, just talking about the art of writing football songs. So welcome back to the show, Neil Grant. Thanks, Michael. Great to be back. I think it's been uh, two years since I was last on. Yeah, I was having a look. And we had you on the last time because... Scotland's first and foremost songwriter of football music. I, I think that's what your Twitter bio says, anyway. <laughs> well, I think I, I think I changed it to Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> it gets broader every week, but no, certainly in Scotland, anyway. I don't know anyone that's been crazy enough to write more football songs than me. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we'll not go into all your history because folk can listen to our earlier show and and listen to that but a quick summary then for anyone that hasn't heard or doesn't want to listen to the old show tell us what your your musical background is my musical background is mainly heavy metal music late 80s thrash early 90s death metal uh classic rock but then i've kind of dipped into progressive rock and jazz and and even uh, brought up playing you know scottish bagpipe music and things like that as well and alternative experimental music so a broad range 
basically everything except pop and dance music and techno. <laughs> that can be the new stuff you can you can get into as you as you get older. It's like you'll be like, oh, let's let's not hit those ones yet. Let's do some techno songs. <laughs> That's it. Never rule anything out, Michael. Well, you've read a number of football songs and a number of them could probably get put to a, a techno beat. And folk are going to be, for anyone that hasn't heard Neil's stuff before, which we have played a few songs on the show over the years, so hopefully you have heard them, you might be like, why is somebody that's into death metal on the show? Well, you've written a football song, another football song for Canada, for the World Cup, for the, the journey, the first time Canada being back at the World Cup since 1986. And we're excited to have the, the world premiere of it on the, the show this week. People are going to think, why is, why is a Scottish guy, and you're, you're based in Sweden as well, so we'll, we'll point that out. Why is a Scottish guy based in Sweden writing a song for Canada about the World Cup? So why are you, Neil? Well, for a start, it's a great question. For a start, Scotland aren't in it. Sadly. Uh, I- I did a Scotland one uh, the last time for the Euros. Uh, I thought you were going to say you did one for this, optimistically thinking ahead. <laughs> not this time, not this time. <laughs> but uh, I've been, I'm just a football fan and I love uh, writing songs for countries I take a liking to. And I think it's it's hard to deny that there's such a strong comparison with uh, my country, Scotland and Canada mainly the fact we don't always qualify for these major tournaments. Now, I know it's been, you know, I'm watching from afar and seeing Canada get so close each time. And, uh, you know, after this, what is it, 36-year drought, uh, they finally did it. And so there's that side of it. And there's also, obviously, Canada and Scotland have so many historic links as well. So it's... I find them a likable nation, and I thought, well, if I'm going to choose a a country to write a song for, then why not Canada? And I and I think we had a wee chat uh, a couple of months ago, Michael, and uh, I mentioned it to you, and you were, of course, encouraging me to do it. So that was like the tip of the iceberg. So that was it. So away I went, and here we are. Yeah, and it's fantastic. We'll play it at the the end of of our chat for everyone to to hear, and then we'll we'll mention where everyone can find it as well. And the the art we spoke a little bit about this when you were on the last time. The art of writing a football song. I mean, when it's yeah, you're a Hearts fan, and you you've written a song for Hearts. It's been played at Timecastle. It's been used in in videos and stuff. But but Hearts, when it, it's a club, you've got a very strong connection with. It's easy to to write a song because it just flows from the heart. How did this process work for you? Was it quite easy to to come up with it in the end? Well, quite easy. Yeah, I mean, you have to work at it. But um, I always, I would never approach writing a song if I didn't have something in my heart for it. So, with that in mind, then you just go into it the best you can, and uh, yeah, I just kind of tweaked away at it until I had something that I felt was, you know, honest enough and catchy enough without pretending to be Canadian, but uh, but still having, you know, the love for the team and the country. And the thing is, back in the last time they qualified in 1986, there was a, a, a unofficial Canadian World Cup song release and it had a very Scottish flair to it because there is a lot of Scottish connections with Canada, especially on the East Coast and Nova Scotia and Newfoundland and stuff. And 
you can walk around here without hearing bagpipes, which I thought I'd got away from that moving from Scotland. But there's more bagpipes, it seems, in Canada than there is in Scotland, with the, the local, one of the local universities, Simon Fraser University, have regularly won the Scottish or the World Pipe Band Championships as well. So all that kind of stuff, there's a, a lot of connections there. And I was glad to see you didn't have bagpipes in this song. But what you have written is a very catchy song. I, I definitely think it's an earworm. I've had it in my head since you sent it to me a, about a month or so ago. And I, I, I hope folk like it. I hope folk do find it as enjoyable and catchy as I do. Because for me, for a football song, you, you don't. it's different from writing a, a normal song. Because I think you've got to go for the catchiness. Because that, that's the best football songs especially World Cup songs, I think they've got that catchy vibe to it, and you've, your song's definitely got that. Oh, thanks for that, Michael. And yeah, um, forgetting what the question was here. <laughs> yeah, just write, writing catchy songs. It's like the art of a football song. So if you're writing a, a football song, it's all about the hook, it's all about the catchiness, mm. having a, a re- repeating phrase that is going to stick in fans' heads. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely the idea. Uh Sometimes it's harder than others, but I always try to get, you know, think about uh, or imagine fans in the terrace singing it and try and for it to try and become like a, a mantra in a way. That's that's the idea because, you know, you know how football fans work. They want something that's that can uh, that's easy to remember and easy to chant and uh, and obviously the the words themselves have to tie in with that and you have to be singing something that's you're kind of believing in and like a like a we mentality instead of a an i mentality that's that's always the vibe i tried to get across and that's probably why i always or often have uh, crowd chants in the choruses mm. you really get a feel that you're you, you know in the crowd and yeah so that's part of my approach really the the song is it's called nobody believed us Canada World Cup song. You, you can find it on all the, the places. I, I'm taking it Spotify and uh, iTunes, Apple Music. Everything, yeah. It's pretty much all the all the music platforms, Deezer and Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much everything. I think uh, I think it's all covered. So it should be everywhere. We'll, we'll, we'll throw some links up on the, the website as well to, to where folk can download it. So before we actually talk anymore, let's just play the song so you can hear what we are talking about. So this is Neil Grant, Nobody Believed Us, Canada's unofficial World Cup song.
So that was Nobody Believed Us by Neil Grant, our unofficial Canada World Cup song. We hope you like it. Let us know on Twitter, at AFTN Canada. Neil, where can folk find you on Twitter? Neil Grant 19. So you can get in touch with Neil on Twitter as well. Hopefully you do like it. We would like your your genuine feedback as to, to what you think. The song is getting released on November 7th. So this show is coming out on November 7th, so it ties in perfectly. You can find it on all the, the usual places there. Uh, just a few more, more things to chat about. So, I mean, the World Cup, it's... The, the timing of it for being in Sweden, Neil, is most certainly better than the games here, where the games are kicking off at 2am Vancouver time, 5am, 8am and 11am for a lot oh. of the, the group games, which is a nightmare. Canada's games, though, are 7, 8 and 11, I believe, Pacific time. So that is not at least as bad. But yeah, are you looking forward to this? I know it's a weird one because it's moved to the winter. There's the cloud hanging over it with it being in Qatar. But it is a World Cup. Yeah, I think I'm like most other people. I, I find it all a bit surreal that there's actually going to be a World Cup in you know, two weeks' time. So I find it hard to believe there actually is going to be a World Cup. I think when it starts, I'll be pinching myself thinking, OK, this is it, World Cup. Uh, so... But yeah, of course, I'm looking forward to the World Cup. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's just wall to wall football for a couple of weeks. You know, our wives are going to love it. And uh... yeah, it's, I've hardly seen my wife for the the last couple of weeks with all the commentary stuff I've been doing. And now it's like, well, it's World Cup. I've made sure I'm not working during it, so it's going to be like it's condensed as well. So I mean, you've basically got wall to wall games, and there's like three, four games. Uh, a day which I mean hopefully it goes well I know there's like Zach that I do the show with he's going over to Qatar so I mean that 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 should be fun and you won't have seen a, a lot of Canada obviously in it but has Canada got your your heart for this World Cup? Oh without a doubt yeah well I mean especially now I've you know written this song and I've been keeping an eye on their performance and you know I think there's a couple of decent uh, players that could ruffle a few feathers there. I think I think uh, you know the, the world's underestimated Canada a little bit. The, I think the two boys uh, is that Alfonso Davis. I think he plays with Bayern, and yep. uh, the other lad Jonathan David. I mean the midfield, the attackers. I mean Belgium are a nightmare to play against. Uh, the big game is probably against Morocco. If you, yeah, if they can get a win there, then you know it's looking really positive uh, so so we'll see her far i mean it would be a huge achievement well, massive achievement if canada could progress from the group but uh, well, yeah some of scotland's never managed oh thanks for reminding me <laughs> <laughs> um but i think canada's goal is just to you know do themselves proud and show that they're a you know decent football nation i'll be cheering canada all the way this world cup yeah, it's it should be a good one. It just it is. I I genuinely thought Scotland were were going to get to it for the first time since ninety eight. I mean, we're of a a same kind of age, and like when we grew up, it's like Scotland was at every World Cup. And you kind of expected it. In Canada, you've got generations that haven't seen Canada at a World Cup. I remember them back at the eighty six World Cup. In Mexico, I've got I've got my 
Panini sticker album from then, completed with my Canadian team. And just to to be in the country now and have it there, it's going to be it's exciting seeing the young kids just genuinely excited because they can see their team at a World Cup and they can aspire to to be the the next Alfonso Davies or the next Jonathan David and and come through the the ranks. But the other thing, of course, when we were growing up is we were used to World Cup songs. And I guess just really to wrap this up, what what are the World Cup songs over the years that have kind of resonated most with you? Well, to tell you the truth, I didn't hear it all that many other than the ones where I was living because I don't think World Cup tunes were, they were obviously not so big a thing if they were coming from other countries, because it's only relevant to the country you're in. <laughs> That's true, I guess. It's like, like in the both growing up in Scotland and the UK, obviously England was at a lot of the World Cups and Northern Ireland were as well. Wales, not so much, but they are this year. So I, I guess it is going to be very UK-centric, but what, what your, what's your, your favourite Scotland World Cup song then? Well, if I had to choose a Scotland one, it's probably the... I think it was uh, Andy Cameron. Uh, oh, Ali's Tartan Army. Well, it's it's a it's a sorry, it's a tie between that one and we have a I have a dream. Uh, the one where they've got this, the the guy commentating a goal during the song. Yeah, that we that's probably dream. my favourite. We've I've played that in our wavelength section before. Andy Cameron's one. That, I mean, you can't get more Scottish than that. Ali's Tartan Army. Going well, off to win the World Cup in Argentina, and then it all going well, horrible. <laughs> oh well, 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 went horrible. I mean, the better song is probably the the one that you like. The, yeah, we have a dream. We have a dream, but but I think the lyrics in Ali's Army are the they're just they're just cults now in Scotland because uh, this was the you've got to remember the at that time Scotland qualified for the World Cup and England didn't so. Yes. In the song, in the lyrics, uh, there's a line that goes, uh, "England didn't make it because they didn't qualify." So uh, it was a wee dig at the English in the song, which was quite funny. And I think, I think it was loved a bit extra for that in Scotland for that yeah. bit of banter. I've not actually played that one uh, on the show, but this month in our wavelength section, we are going to have uh, World Cup songs. Um, so I'll play that one actually. So I'll stick that one in next week so folk know what we're talking about. But it's been great to chat to you again, Neil. It's been great to listen to the song. As I said, let us know your feedback on it. You can get it in all the usual places from November 7th, Nobody Believed Us by Neil Grant. Before we go though, I want to give a plug to to your band over in Sweden as well because you've got a, a new single coming out with that band and an album to come as well on November the 11th. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a band, a Swedish-based band in Gothenburg that I joined. Uh, they're called Dunringel, and um, named after an old Scottish fort, actually. Uh, and um, yeah, it's the style of music is um, Nordic folk with some doom and metal, and uh, it's quite alternative, but it's uh, it's very interesting. Uh, album that's coming out so there's a single coming out on the 11th of november called awakening and then uh, it'll be followed by two other singles before the before part one of this double concept album comes out next autumn 
2023. And then the following autumn, 2024, will be part two of the concept album. So <laughs> a lot of things are planned out for me uh, for the next few years. So I might even squeeze another few football songs in that time too, if uh, time permits. Yeah, I have to task you to do an East Fife one at some point. Oh, you did. I, I mean, I, I should. I should. I mean, if you put me in touch with your pals at East Fife, I might just do that. I, I, I will. We'll, we'll definitely do that. Then we'll get you to do a Whitecaps one as well. Actually, there's a, there's a new team starting uh, here in Vancouver, Vancouver FC in the Canadian Premier League. They kick off next April. We've been chatting about them on the show this episode as well. Maybe we can get you in touch with them. You could come up with an official theme for them or something. Yeah, or maybe maybe you know intro music or something like that, something different. Let's, well, yeah. what I'm hoping they adopt for that because they play in a place called the Fraser Valley. I want them to go with the skids into the valley. Ah, yeah, I see. Now, that. to me, that is your run out song. Ah, oh, well, it's it's uh, they've got the job then already. <laughs> yeah, but we can get you to do the official. Th- song for them we'll we'll put you in touch yeah Yeah, let's see what we can get done so thanks so much for chatting again again with everything neil um check out the song pleasure michael thanks for having me on that's great thanks neil thanks so much to neil grant for joining us back on the show as neil mentioned there the song out november 7th the day that this podcast is coming out you can get it in all the usual places spotify itunes it's not maybe going to be on Bandcamp, but we're working on that to get it we also want to get this song out there to people so share it with your canadian buddies the voyagers zach sent it to the voyagers neil asked if you could get in touch with them let them hear it we would love if any of the local media or national media wanted to chat to neil as well get in touch i will put you in touch give him his email address one soccer tsn whatever we want to get that song out there let us know your thoughts i know it won't be for everyone but let us know your thoughts i genuinely love it so that was our good news canada story but that is it really for our world cup chat we're going to turn our attention now to the domestic game here in canada and north america we're starting off in canada We touched on it at the start of the show. A big launch this week for the newest CPL team, Vancouver FC. We'll be back chatting about all of that after this. This is Atiba Hutchinson and you're listening to the AFTN Show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the second of tonight's songs from our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of November. From England, it's Swede, with another song taken from their 1993 self-titled debut album. It was the first song on the album, also their fourth single to be released at Peaked at number 22 in the UK charts. That was So Young. And as I mentioned, Zach was at Suede on Thursday night at the Barrowlands. Absolutely fantastic gig. Yeah, what did you wear? Oh, obviously, corduroy. And your shoes? Yes. No, I didn't wear anything. I had my top off, swinging it about, all the things you're not going to be able to do in Qatar. Wait, 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 wait. You were swinging a top and blocking someone's view behind you of the show? No, I was at the back. (laughs) I thought I had you there. (laughs) Also, neither of those things happened. I wasn't at the back and I wasn't swinging a top, but I was about four to six rows from the front. It was a lot of fun. I knew neither of those things sounded true. (laughs) I was a bit worried about going to the show because it was meant to be at the P&E Forum and they hadn't sold all their tickets, sold all their tickets. Because I think big bands in the UK from the 90s maybe don't resonate as much with the, the young kids in 2022 here in Vancouver. But it was a great crowd. It was an, an older crowd, I've got to say. But both the Mannix and Swede put on a fantastic show. They're playing across North America at the moment. I know we've got listeners all across North America. If they're coming to your town, even if you're not very familiar with them, go see them because it was two absolutely tremendous shows. And it was two fantastic nights as well for me last week. Thursday night at that concert. Wednesday night... It was the launch of Vancouver FC. Sore little eagle, sore. <laughs> yeah, so what, like, it what did, did clarify you... to us what the bird yeah, was on the, the, the crest. It is I know you're, you're super excited it's the Eagles because I know you love Eintracht Frankfurt. Well, I can also play the, the song by former Artist of the Month, 80s Matchbox, Beeline Disaster. I'm gonna rise like an eagle. Who we usually play for Crystal Palace, the other eagles. Is that going to be the nickname, do you think, for the club? Rob Friend said he's going to let the fans come up with the, the nickname for the Vancouver FC, Pacific FC derby. Should he let them come up with the nickname for the club? Is the Eagles too lazy just to go for that? Oh, I think one of the things I liked about what they did, which I um, is how the, they have the logo, but they have these like other images, like they did in Pacific. You know, they have the main yes. image of the island and then the, the trident is really good. So I think I think it, it'll be I, th- I think it'll be similar in terms of names. Obviously, Eagles is going to be one, whether it's the one, the only one, uh, you know, the recognized one, the official. Well, they, they have whatever. the letter branding as well, which yeah. I, I don't like. Well, the, VFC, I, the VFC part? Yeah, I I the the intertwining letters. I, I like that actually. That's See, well, that seemed to be the one that most people love most from just just chatting to various people on Wednesday and we're talking about it. It's like, what ones do you like? They're saying, what ones do you like? And I just don't like that style of branding where it's just the letters. Houston Dynamo went with that. Dulwich yeah. Hamlet over in England had but, changed from their crest to that, which was their original one back in the 1800s. But the Houston I just one, don't like it. The Houston one and the... Um... New England Revolution one, they feel like baseball logos. This feels to me more football y, but that's 
because it reminds me of a couple of things. But mm. uh, I, yeah. So in terms of name, I think the Eagles will be a natural thing that will 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 probably come up. But I think there is the likelihood or the possibility of there being other other names or other yeah things used to describe the club but we'll, we'll see well, we'll i've, see I've seen various descriptions of what the the eagle looks like in the middle of the the crest we won't go into those just now. i don't know if you saw any of those on twitter oh no uh, one of them is just if you turn it another way it looks like a big l so already the pacific fans are, are going losers oh i've seen that for the but i've seen that one the one where they people did that and they made it to l for langley <laughs> Language oh, I didn't see that one. I didn't. I didn't yeah. see any of the positive stuff. Obviously, I've just. I've yeah. obviously got a very different Twitter feed to you. You've got a more upbeat one. The Valor fans as well getting in touch. Yeah, going. Why have, why have you nicked all everything about us, VFC? And their their V also has kind of stripes in it. Yeah, mm. that I feel for them because yeah. <laughs> well, one, I know some people. I know one uh, one or two people there, but two, yeah, the way that they're. The way that their club is run, run I yeah, I, would ha I have, con have concerns about them. Yeah, just, just in terms of like, I, I do, I do. Their social media people actually are quite um, humorous, not in like the trying. Oh to no, they're very, way. very good, and their their media they, communication they, they, folk they, have been great to deal with. Sam Calvert, out yeah, because they, they made a post right away on like Instagram or something, right? Did you see it? Yeah, and it was like, I forget what it was, was it rolling eyes or was it? I don't know. It was something. It was funny. It came up my feed, my feed right away. <laughs> now I have to look it up. Are you looking it up? No, I'm looking something else up, which we're going to talk about to do with the name, because at, at the event on Wednesday night, we we got a lot of reveal. Some of it we already knew. We, we knew the name. We knew the the crest and the the general branding from the the leak the week before. The colours, which everyone had thought was just going to be black and white. No confirmation exactly as to what it was going to be. And there's a lot of red in some of the material they're using. I think I've been led to believe it's red and white's the primary colours and black and white's going to be the secondary colours, but that's still to, to be officially confirmed. But the team name is still obviously getting a lot of debate. And... We won't delve into it again because we, we touched on it on last week's show. But the the general feeling was it it doesn't capture the, the local market and the locals won't buy into it. And I don't buy into that. And as we said in last week's show, people don't follow a club just because of the name. Some might. Uh, you don't follow it for the branding of the crest. And again, some might, but on the, the, the majority don't. And I saw a lot of people that were going on about, oh, they, they've just totally ignored the, the fan survey that, that they did asking for various which, things. But then they released this week the details of that. Yeah, they had which, it at the event, right? Yeah, I was trying to find it on Instagram, but it was an Instagram story, so it's now disappeared. But basically, by far, a long way, the favoured name from respondents was Vancouver FC, yeah. With Fraser Valley FC, the the second name. Yeah, when like when I when I asked them about it, you know why like why are you going with this? They they essentially said like I think I said this maybe on the show last week, but you know that they were open to other things, uh, and that 
they were hoping maybe the survey might bring their attention to something that might be meaningful that they hadn't thought of or hadn't, you know, analyzed. But there was and, a lot and, of worse names uh, and, that were coming they, up as well. well. And, they, and they said they said it didn't. So I, w- I was surprised that anyone would want a club called Metro Vancouver. Yeah, ex- except, yeah, well, except for, this isn't locally, like, Kukula Metro 4. Like, you know, there's, like, a metro in the name of, you know, like, within teams' names or, like... Uh, well, yeah, but that's about a car dealership. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. But even, even like, uh, again, I thought this was an awful name, although they've gone to a worse one, the, the New York, New Jersey Metro Star, Metro Star. Yeah, Metro's has been used in a name before, and I'm sure there's other places as well that I don't, I don't know about or I'm not thinking of, but um, it's I, a few people have said it to me too. I, it's not Metro's would not be my my choice or not my favorite thing, but um, I, I yeah, I'm pretty sure if this club was launching right at the start of CPL with the way that the branding's been done elsewhere. Oh, it would have been different. I think they would have been Valley FC or something like that. But Valley FC would allow well, if you it, to if throw it, a lot of stuff on. If it, it would have been in Surrey, it would have been Port City FC. That is true. That was the, yeah. the name that had been registered. But Rob Friend did address a little bit about why they've come up with this name and what they're hoping to achieve with it. So play a little bit of audio from this just now. So this is taken from a video that I shot at the event on... Which is on YouTube. I've watched yeah, you it. can see the full I... video, 16 minutes on YouTube, which somebody had said... I put it up and then they asked a question about it. I was like, did you not watch the video? And they're like, no, it's 16 minutes. Sixteen minutes is not a long time for me to watch something, but TLDR. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can watch the whole video up on YouTube. So the sound quality is not as fantastic as some of our, our other interviews that we do. But here's Rob Friend explaining a little bit as to why they've come up with this name and what they're hoping to achieve by this branding. I live in Vancouver. I believe Vancouver. I, I, I travel the world. I, I, I advertise the city. It's one of the greatest cities in the world. And I've been disappointed as a footballer, as a former player, that that there there isn't a club, in my opinion, that represents the community, that unites a community, that inspires. And I, I sit here and I look at our brand and I look at the people in this room and I, I think there's something, there's something special in the air. And we, we've written it here. And I think people are looking for a football club to support we as a football club need to to do something different in the community, and, and uh, you know, and, and the, I'm looking at the the screen there, and, and the question is, when we started this, when we started this journey, and we said, okay, what's what's the name going to be, you know, and, and again, we're we're sitting here in Langley, and we're standing here in Langley, the Langley Event Center, and, and but it's more than Langley, you know, it's all the communities. Everybody in this room is from a different municipality, different community, so it's bigger than just bigger than the municipality, and, and I. That was the first question we asked is, what if a pro club could do more good for people? And we started with that question. And, and to me, it's, it's more about the game, right? It's, it's about uniting, it's about inspiring, it's about bringing communities together. And when I go to Pacific games, when I go to other CPL games, and you see families and friends and, and young kids being inspired, and, and, and whether you want to be a professional soccer player or you want to be just a fan or a hardcore supporter, but you're inspired and it's bringing people together. And, and th- that was the question we asked ourselves, what if a pro club could do more, more good for more people? And I think that's kind of the message that, that we're asking ourselves. And we're gonna ask questions in this community 
because I think we have an opportunity, we have a platform with this professional club here in the, in the, great, in, in the, the Lower Mainland to do something different, to do something good. And, I, and I, we don't have the answers, but I think we can inspire and I think this club can unite and we're very excited about it. So, so if everybody's asking, funny enough, uh, the name Vancouver Football Club got leaked on Twitter uh, last week. And I don't know if, uh, who's on Twitter, but uh, it's a very dangerous place. <laughs> and so, someone leaked the name Vancouver Football Club and, and people were sending me screenshots and everybody was hammering us and slamming us. Why would you call Vancouver Football Club? These guys are idiots. I'm never supporting this club. And I'm sitting here for five years and I'm trying to invest in this game and we're trying to grow the, the game in this country. And I'm like, we're trying to unite. And already people have taken the name and, and, they're, and they're, they're, they're slaughtering it. They're finding ways to find the negativity around this. And, and to me, and I, I was excited to launch the team today because it's about more than just one community. It's about all the communities. And, and we're going to launch the brand, the brand video. And as you're going to see, you know, in, in the logo, you see the lines there. That, that's, that's the cable of the bridges. And bridges unite the communities. And I think that's something special. And again, this room speaks to this. Everybody here is from, from, from the lower mainland, from greater Vancouver. So I think really, I think the, the name is really going to resonate. We're excited about the name Vancouver Football Club. We really love the colors. I hope everybody loves it. So Rob Friend there just addressing a little bit about the Vancouver FC name. And as the their video was mentioned, they want to basically encapsulate the whole region. They want to capture the markets, whether you're in West Van or White Rock, whether you're in Squamish or Surrey, whether you're in Vancouver or the Valley. They want all these people. Realistically, I don't think you're going to have folk from Squamish travelling out to Langley. It's a pain in the ass for me to travel well, up there, to Langley and I'm on the highway and it took me 50 minutes to get there for that event. I, I'm pretty sure there was a dude from Squamish at the event. But um, I will say the one one thing I will say about that is that is a shift for them because in, which I know mm. the, the shift has been frustrating for some of the supporters uh, because initially they talked a lot about in, in our conversations with them formally and informally that like they were not planning on doing a lot of engaging and marketing and whatever on the other side of the river. Yep. And so it sounds like there's been a shift and I wonder how much that shift has to do with, um, in part either information we don't have or literally maybe even just from the responses they got from the surveying. Um, so, or again, or other, other factors, but, um, I, I don't know. Cause we, we genuinely don't know the appetite for this team. I know we all hope what the appetite's going to be. Yeah. We know what our appetite is. Yeah. Yes. You're right. I, I mean, I'll, I'll don't mind saying this on the show. I, I had a chat with Rob friend uh, a few weeks back and just an informal chat. We were just talking about things and I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you, Rob. I don't think you're going to sell out the stadium the way that you think you're going to sell out the stadium. And he firmly believes he does with the local buy and the local clubs and stuff like that. I just think it's going to be a bit of a harder sell than some people think. And obviously this is a much smaller scale, but I want to kind of point towards TSS Rovers. Now, they they got in to the, the local scene right at the right time. There's a lot of people feeling disenfranchised with the Whitecaps. They wanted something different. They wanted something new. And what they've done to grow that club and the supporters' culture and the community involvement, it's all been fantastic. This one, Guardians behind the goal, they've been drawing the biggest crowds in League 1 BC. 
but they've not gone over that thousand limit that I was hoping they were going to do and increase. They've just not quite got there, and they've got a lot of goodwill and a lot of buy-in, and it's been a hard sell. Now, obviously, this is a much lower level than CPL, but I think it's also going to take a bit of time to grow this team and grow. Initially, they'll get a couple of good crowds, but then I think that first season, it's going to be a struggle to constantly get that those big crowds in. And I might be totally wrong here, and I genuinely hope I am, but I just yeah. feel that maybe some expectations are above what the realistic expectations should be. Yeah, I don't know what the realistic expectations should be. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I I think that um, it's hard to compare to the TSC because you're comparing you compare the levels don't compare to me like the USL that they were the, the level of USL they were part of before was it was a PDL yeah it was PDL oh, so and P- it was USL, USL PD- League two and- yeah USL PDL USL League two and then League one BC I don't think you can compare that to um, to the Canadian Premier League. I also think that for all the frustration, I think you hear in the frustration over the name, I think two things you hear. One, or maybe three things. You hear people are just like, oh, it's stupid. It's playing at a different place. Should we, should we call that? Um, which, okay, whatever. Uh, I think you hear people in on the other side of the river who are like, hey, I'd like to be this, but it's you know it's too far away. And it's, so why would you call it after Vancouver? And then you hear the local people who are saying, you know, in and around Langley, Surrey, maybe Abbotsford, Chilliwack, whatever, who are like, hey, we wanted something more to identify um, with us. Yeah. And so I think I, I think that there's I think that there's potential to for this to to go really, really well in terms of actual engagement, because even some of the people have said to me, hey, the name really pisses me off. Like I'll just they, they say I just need you to know I do not like like this name is disengaging for me, but they've also said at the same time, but yeah, I'm, like I'm still hoping that the the match day or whatever, like I'm still going to come to games and I'm hoping that'll be one over in the end, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So um, and I think there will be. I genuinely well, I think know. once the season starts, the name's just not even going to be a a thing. Yeah, I think yeah, yes, hopefully, but um. Yeah, it's gonna be. It'll be incredibly interesting to see how it all it all plays out. Obviously, um, this is a, a brand new football club launching in the place I've in the area I've lived longer than I lived anywhere else in my whole life, and so I'm excited to help make it as meaningful as possible. And obviously, um, I want to make the support as passionate as possible. Or play some kind of role in making it as passionate as possible, and so um, there's been a number of things that have been happening to that end, and there are more things that will be happening in the in the weeks and months ahead to that end. And so, yeah, if people want to get involved, um, obviously you can yeah, sign hit, up for hit your sack up. Yeah, hit me up, but you can sign up for your uh, your season tickets on you know your season ticket twenty dollar deposits already um, on their on their website and stuff. And if you want to be involved in this on the supporter side of things, what's going on there? Yeah, uh, Fraser Valley Fanatics on social media, uh, particularly Twitter and the, well, Facebook. We got to probably change the name because uh, it's not under that. But Twitter, you can get us there or Gmail, fvfanatics at gmail.com. I, well, we all got swag bags at the event on Wednesday that, night as well. Forget about the swag bags. One of the greatest things I think they did, and also one of the, 
one of the coolest things about the branding and the color there's these five colors and these three logos and these few sayings and then other marks and whatever was that make your own shirt uh booth did you get I to it I, I looked at that i didn't really oh, you should have gone to it michael why was dream what, come what was it well you could they had like could we have got an aftn shirt done no not aftn but they had oh. like a black white red and i think silver or gray shirts um and you could um and then they had multiple sizes and shapes of the different logos different elements and you could design your own shirt you could put stuff wherever you want on the shirt on the front on the back and they had that uh like um the guy who runs i forget what the company's name is now um but you if you've been to if you've gotten like a shirt made at you know at a local football match over the last decade or two, you would recognize him. Um, but him and his people were there because he's all out in the Valley now. He just does stuff in the Valley. He doesn't go into Vancouver anymore. Uh, and he was there. And like, I talked to him after because I went at the very, obviously I was there late. It wasn't who we met at the Provincial Cup game, was it? Oh yeah, it might've been. Huh. Uh, yes, I'm having a vague recollection. That one out in Abbotsford. Yeah, I think so. Oh. Oh no 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 not oh, that not guy. him okay no 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 not him not him someone else I take it the shirts weren't free yes it was a free bar Michael make your own shirt you are shitting me do you want me to show you my shirt it's right here I, I missed right some free stuff yeah you missed free stuff Michael you're Scottish I can't I even it. grabbed two swag bags <laughs> the the reason I did that I I will just point out in case Vancouver FC want to take one back I'm going to give one of them away in a competition in the the coming weeks as well got a t-shirt a, a t-shirt a t-shirt even a keychain and some badges and some stickers so we'll we'll give that uh, away in a competition mine's upstairs so yeah okay. i i, I uh, trust you that you, you got a really cool shirt and i am really pissed off now that i missed yeah. that oh I, I got a red one so i can wear it i stayed away from it because i thought it was a pay thing and it's like i'm obviously allergic to money no it was for spending free money. Well, uh, yeah no everyone said to me i don't think anyone i don't think i'm pretty sure no one paid it was it was like one of the fun creative things of the evening i thought made it like help make the event well, special. You've, you've just ruined my night I've got i'm so sorry I'm, I'm, i thought like, for sure you with that. you would have hit that up first thing let's get back to talk about the team one thing that rob friend said and you won't have heard this part because you hadn't arrived by this point when he was doing his address and it's up on our youtube video he spoke about bringing this team very passionately and we heard a little bit from it in the audio there and he said that he wants to give Vancouver the team that they deserve and that they can be proud of and he feels that the city has not had that team and he wants to be that team. That most certainly sounds like shots fired over the, the Whitecaps bows. Well, I don't think it's any secret that I share that sentiment <laughs> yes I mean, it's... but to come out and say that i i thought was like an interesting well they've, one. He, they've been saying we're, we're going to hear from the new coach in a second he was like oh no no we can work together and <laughs> well no i he's mean new. he's new <laughs> rob, rob has been saying things like that or maybe less direct in in the build-up i mean he even said it oh on yeah our, i know on, he said it to the, us but yeah the first interview you did with him he yeah. was like look yeah but the other big reveal, obviously, on Wednesday night was the club's first head coach. And it's the yeah. very experienced Afshin Gotby, the 58-year-old Iranian-American. He, he brings a wealth of experience to this team and probably, I think, the biggest experience 
or the most experience we've seen from a head coach in the CPL, the only one that comes close is really Stephen Hart in yeah, terms of being managing at international level and club level. Very high-calibre candidate that Rob Friend's known for years, and Rob said that they'd kept in touch and spoke a lot, and Afshin had called him up and was very interested in this project and said he'd like to be the head coach. And Rob's like, look, we, we can't, can't afford you. To, to hire you. We don't have that kind of budget. And he's like, oh, no, no. This is not about money. I want to be part of this project. And yeah. right away when you hear that, you're like, wow, this is a coach that you want. And this is a guy that graduated from UCLA Bruins, moved to America from Iran when he was 13 with his family. He coached the Bruins women's side for a while, got into the men's game. He's managed in the US and Japan and China and Thailand, South Korea at club level. He's been an assistant with the US and South Korea national teams at World Cups. Also been the head coach of Iran, not at a World Cup. He'd taken them over mid-campaign and just couldn't quite get them over the line after a poor start. Mm-hmm. He's bringing a wealth of experience. This is a great get for Vancouver FC. Yeah, he was also, I don't know if you mentioned that, he was also at LA Galaxy, right? As an yeah, assistant. as the assistant as well. So he's got that experience in, in MLS. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe we, we need to talk to uh, Naveed at some point. I saw him. Oh, Naveed's delighted about yeah. it. He, he, he doesn't know him personally, but he no. has followed his career for a while as uh, a Persian. And yeah, he is cock-a-hoop over this appointment. Said it's his new CPL team that he's going to follow. And that's that's the clever thing as well. And it's obviously not the sole reason for hiring, but there's such a large Persian community. And in local football circles, you've got a number of Persian clubs like Shaheen FC and uh, a number of big local Persian players as well. They're going to love this guy and want to come and be with him. And I tell you what, you only have to spend a few minutes with him yeah. and listen to him speak and you're captivated by him. He's yeah. got he's got one of those personalities. It's like Vanny Sartini. It's like Vanny is a guy that his enthusiasm can win you round. And if you're feeling a bit negative about stuff, he can win you round with just how he is. And I think players want to play for a coach like that. They'll run through a wall for a guy like that. And I think the same's going to be the same for Ashton Goatby. Yeah. And I got a chance to to chat with him during the event myself and Har. So I'll yeah. bring you our little exclusive interview. Har and myself speaking to the new Vancouver FC head coach, Ashton Goatby. Uh, so, Aspen, you've, you've been all over the world, you've coached the World's Cups, you've been in MLS, you've been in Japan. You spoke a little bit about it there, but what is it about Vancouver that, and this project in particular that has really attracted you? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, the history I have with, uh, with the ownership and Rob Friend um, I, I, I believe in him, I, I believe in his vision, and I believe uh, uh, where his heart uh, is leading him to. Uh, he wants to do something uh, uh, that leaves a legacy for Canadian football and Canadian soccer. He wants to build something that allows Canadian uh, youth players to live their dream. Uh, uh, and not like what he had to do as a youngster and what he went through to achieve his dreams. Uh, I, I kind of relate to that because as a coach, I had to almost do the same thing. I had to literally go from country to country, uh, fight day in and day out to prove myself, to be able to uh, uh, live my passion. Uh, so 
that's that I think is one of the most important thing to have that shared vision with the ownership. The second part that uh, really intrigues me is the is the city of Vancouver. It's a very diverse, very global city. I'm a very global citizen, so I think I can uh, relate to that 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 kind of a city uh, that shares my my globalized view of the world, uh, and I think I can connect with uh, with different communities and bring them all together because maybe they can relate to me. I spent four years in Japan, five years in Korea, four years in China, four years in Iran. And uh, uh, of course in America, and I lived in Netherlands, lived in Emirates. So th that I think allows me to have a, a much wider view of, of the city and be able to connect the city better. Uh, the next part that's really also important to me is that it allows me to have my family with me. I was working uh, uh, at, at various places where my family couldn't be with me for different reasons. And in the last years I've been ex uh, living in COVID, uh, in China all by myself. So it gives me a chance to really uh, have my wife live with me and be closer to also my father who lives in Southern California. And, and, and the a two and a half hour flight makes it for him psychologically easier to know, especially at his age, that I'm close by and that gives him more a, a kind of confidence that I can be there if he needs me. So all of this together, at the time where we have the greatest talent of Canadian football coming up, uh, I think is a perfect moment for me to be here. So how long has this been in the works then? When, when did the talks start to get really serious? Well, uh, Rob and I stayed in touch over the years and then he, of course he had the, the, the Pacific uh, FC project. I was proud of how he was doing and I always was messaging him about how proud of, of, of him uh, I am. Uh, and then uh, when I came back to Southern California to spend some time with my father, uh, I contacted him to see how he was. And then he explained to me about the project. So it was about almost two months ago, I think, that, that the conversation started. Assistant coaches, what do you expect to name your assistant coaches? Uh, we are in discussion and we are really, one of the things that we want to do is we want to find uh, uh, bright, young, talented Canadian uh, uh, coaches uh, that we can mentor and develop for the future of Canadian football. Th those are really what our intentions are. Hopefully in the coming weeks we can identify them and hire them. Do you view them as competition, as a rival? I'm talking about the Whitecaps. Um, I think uh, competition always makes people better. And I think we are in a different market. We have different uh, objectives. And we are, we are in a way, uh, we want to be a, an alternative, an option for the Canadian soccer fans and Vancouver fans to maybe uh, uh, gravitate towards our vision, our way of, of working. So uh, I, I don't look, I don't look at it as a rivalry. I look at it as more. Hopefully, we can help each other in developing the game. How much have you seen of the Canadian Premier League? I've and seen a lot of games. What, what have you thought of the quality? Uh, I, I think the quality, as I shared with you, is 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 a lot a lot better than I expected. When I see uh, uh, when I see the budgets and the budgets I was working with, for example, the Chinese Super League, it's it's like. The budget in the Canadian uh, Premier League is even less than for one player in Chinese football. So to see that kind of quality really impresses me. That uh, that uh, I think the league is only going to get better. The quality is only going to improve. And and I and I'm really impressed with the attitude the players bring in every game. Have you got your eye on any particular players yet? Well, that's a great question. I do, but I'm not going to say because we 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 are we are in discussion with them, and we have to. 
we have to, uh, if I say something, it may change the con yeah. conversation. Afshin Gopi there chatting about taking over as head coach of Vancouver FC. He mentioned there the the budget that he had in China for one player is about the budget that a CPL team has for the whole season for their whole squad. Yeah. So he's definitely moving in different circles now. Yeah. He's got some players in mind, didn't want to, to share any names. There was a couple of local talents there. I'm going to be doing a, a thing on the extra podcast about some players that I think would be good fits for this new club. And one of the guys, Victory Shambusho, that's with UBC just now, as spoke about before, absolutely ideal fit. Eric Edwardson, the leading scorer in League One BC with TSS Rovers this past season, was at the event. I said, oh, does this mean you're signing for the club? Would not be drawn in that? I'm pretty sure he yeah. will be that. Um, Ashwin there mentioned that his assistants will be up and coming young Canadian coaches because the plan is to be mentors to these coaches and to bring them through very much like what Rob's plan was over in Pacific with James Merriman. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. I think that I've heard that that, that exact thing talked about in, in so maybe detail we'll talk about maybe down the road, but mm. um, yeah, that they very much want to raise up coaches in a similar fashion how they did at Pacific where it's uh, you have some experienced coaches, uh, you know, like a silver bower, I guess you could say, a, a paw in a different way. Um, but the long-term plan is to raise up local people that can, you know, um, then have an opportunity to bring their, their, to bring their flavor to. Yeah, I'm very excited actually to, to see who it is. Obviously, I know a lot of the local coaches and the, the youth game and in VMSL and college ranks just to see who might be in the frame for this. Uh, it was revealed at the event the stadium currently still being built over in Asia. It's going to be a modular stadium. It's going to get shipped over. That's been happening for some time. That's yeah. ongoing. I, 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 hope, I hope the shipping starts quite soon before rough seas <laughs> and any possible disasters in that. Um, it might not be 100% what they're looking for initially, but I guess there's a, a change of mayor in Langley just now, so... I don't, don't know. That, that I don't know that the stuff. change of I don't know that the change of mayor impacts things that much that I'm aware of right away. But I was uh, just thinking about what budgets might be available, whether they might be more friendly or less friendly towards yeah. the club. And I will say that, yeah, my understanding is it will not be exactly what they were hoping for out of the, out of the gate. Yes, that doesn't mean doesn't mean as well. it doesn't mean it'll be a half completed stadium or anything like that. But um, it, it won't be. Yeah, it won't be. Uh, I don't think it'll be where they want it to be. Uh, right, I mean, right. Like personally, if there's not a hydro pole, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> no, that is definitely not an issue. <laughs> now, Vancouver FC will be the ninth club officially in the Canadian Premier League. I'm not including the rights that's been awarded to Saskatchewan and to David Clanahan because they have they, not moved very much, have no. they? <laughs> Wasn't there a vote in Saskatchewan? I forgot to double check on that. There's supposed oh, to be some vote in Saskatchewan last week. About the stadium and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't checked on that either. But the big question, though, Zach, is will there be nine clubs in the league next season? 
because the future's not looking good for the Eddies right now. Well, well, two things that don't necessarily indicate anything, because you're right. I think that there's great concern over what's happening in Edmonton. But two things. One is the commissioner, Noonan, at the gathering, uh, I was told, <laughs> said, we have nine teams in our league. Yeah. <laughs> or there's, you're the ninth team. Secondly, the second thing. Which, which is you, factually correct just now. Factually, totally factually correct. Um, but the second thing is, uh, a day later, two days later, whatever it was, uh, with the announcement of this year's Voyager Cup side, yes. FC Edmonton was still listed on that as well. well now, obviously, that could be change. because they still exist. That could change, obviously, but yeah. Well, well, first of all, an odd number of teams is not ideal. No, I, it would give bye weeks, I guess, but I mean, it isn't ideal. Again, Har and me, busy little buddies, cornered Mark Noonan. This time we did ask to, to speak to him. So he was he was brought over to us, a little bit confused as to why we wanted to speak to him. So we chatted to him about the, the new team in Vancouver, just about future expansion, his time in the job so far. But we also asked him about the future of FC Edmonton. And some of you might have seen my article that I had up on AFTN during the week after that chat. But let's hear the full chat just now with CPL Commissioner, Mark Noonan. Vancouver, you've expanded into a big market. And it's something I think we've wanted this team here for a while. We finally got this team now. What is it that excites you most about getting into a big city like Vancouver? I mean, it's one of the major um, population centers of Canada. And if you think about a city like London, there's something like 13 clubs and they come out of these communities. So this may not be the last club that we put in this province. And what's exciting is now we have two clubs in this province and I think there's room for, for, for more too. But let's get this one right, let's get this one launched and we'll think about the next one after that. Yeah, you spoke about expansion uh, up there and that you believe this league can go from 19 to 18, which I think everyone really wants to see. Obviously, Saskatchewan was involved. Um, I spoke to the guys behind that uh, about two years ago now. Yeah. Seems to have gone quiet there. There's yeah. always clamour for Quebec as well. How soon do you, do you see there being more? Yeah, we got slowed down a little bit by the pandemic. Yeah. I think everything, everything did. Um, but we've got eight or nine very active discussions going on in the expansion world and we're going to expand at the right time in the right places with the right people in the right communities and I'm not going to put a timeline on it but the sooner the better because we need to expand it's a big country we need more teams um, but uh, I'm, I'm very bullish on our ability to do that but uh, all the conditions need to be right we're, we're better off waiting to make sure the conditions are right. And I've, I personally believe, given the growth of soccer, the longer the wait, the more valuable these franchises are gonna get. This was a great season, fourth year, first year back after the pandemic, everything went well. The success at Ottawa was fantastic as well. You've got nine teams now going into next year. Is it is it nine? I know there's a lot of stuff with Edmonton. Do you fully expect Edmonton to be a team next year? Yeah, we, we're, we're still working on the solution in Edmonton. Everybody knows that uh, we, we have an issue in that market and we're working hard to address it. And that's, that's all I'll say right now. How do you address it? How do we address it? By working with the community, trying to find new ownership. Um, 
and, and, and make sure that we have the conditions to be successful in that in that market. I went through the pain of of uh, when I was at MLS of losing a couple couple teams, and you want to do everything you can not to lose lose teams, but sometimes you you, know, you, you have to do that if you don't have the right conditions. So we're working on it. Um, it has to be soon because at some point we've got to put a schedule together. But I would, I would, I would say over the next 30 to 60 days. Uh, you've not been in the job for long. 60 days yesterday. 60. Wow. Yeah. What have you learned then in that first 60 days? I learned I have a lot, a lot to learn. <laughs> um, but I've, I've learned that uh, there's an incredible, growing passion for the sport across this country and these communities. I learned that the product is even better than I thought it was, and the product I thought was pretty good. I learned that we need um, new owners, new communities, and new infrastructure. We have to continue working on the infrastructure. Um, and I've learned that there's just so much potential for this this league. I, I firmly believe, and I don't want to put a time on it, I think we can be a top 10 league in the world over time. CPL and MLS, there's an advantage. If your league, your games are going to be on TV next year, and MLS is on to Apple. So what's what's happening with your media, and how do you get that bigger to get more attention on the league? Great, great question. We're we're working on it. Uh, it's very public that we 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 filed uh, um, a, a claim with the CRT against against Rogers, and we're, but we're working in a friendly manner as well with some of the big distributors to get our product more widely covered. And uh, we'll have something to say about that hopefully in, in, in the future. So, Martin Noonan there just chatting. Uh, about the eddies and their future amongst a few other things and I mean a decision is likely to be made in the next 30 to 60 days he feels because they have to get on with it as they draw up schedules for the, the season to come and everyone knows it's not ideal the current situation for me I think everything is pointing to the club going on a hiatus for a year now they're going to want to try and find a solution. I mean, who knows, some buyer might miraculously come along in the next two months and this will all be a different situation. I just feel they want to find a bit of time, get that hiatus, because they can't run the club it was this year. It wasn't fair on anyone, and just loaning players that are on the fringe of other things, it, that's, that's not an ideal situation. It would take it back to an eight-team league, which would work really good as well. I just think everything's pointing to that right now. It feels that way. And, I mean, we're going to talk later about, you know, how you can put a club on a hiatus and if they can be birthed from the ashes like Chivas too. Um, but, obviously, there are many things that make that not ideal. Yeah. Now, you touched on it there at the Canadian Championship. If Edmonton do go on hiatus, that really messes up what has just been announced for the Canadian Championship. The new format was revealed for 2023. 15 teams in it. One team getting a first round bye, which you would imagine would be the White Caps as reigning champions, but somehow they'll find a way for TFC to get that bye. No, not sure not how, chance. but there's, they'll... There's not a chance, is there? 
it'll be or let's let's do it alphabetically with teams that begin with T. No, seriously, there's no. No, no there won't be the Whitecaps. will will clearly get that by. So then there'll be seven first round matches, and included in those fifteen teams. Absolutely delighted by this. I had a little inkling that this might be coming. TSS Rovers will be in the 2023 Canadian Championship as League One BC champions because League One Ontario, League One Quebec, mm-hmm. their champions have been in it. They're now guaranteed to be joined every year by the League One BC champions. Which has always been, yeah, it is. And it was always this thing about, oh, you have to have a certain number of games, blah, 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 and teams. I'm glad it's sensible because they should be in. They've won a provincial title and they should be in this competition. Totally. If the Eddies bow out, it throws a massive wrench into the plans, but either way, TSS are going to be in. I'm absolutely delighted with that. Having been a part of TSS's growth from 2017 upwards, it's just been great to see. And for all the teams in League One BC, what an incentive to go Mm. on and win that title now. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine Whitecaps having to go and play at Altitude FC? I would hope Altitude would say, we're going to play it in our small... Thousand capacity park. <laughs> yeah, it'd be amazing. The magic of the cup, right? Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to uh what this year's tournament will look like because now you have you have four teams from BC, right? I I mean everything is probably shaping up. Of course the draw could throw up anything, but you'd imagine yeah. it's going to be regional. But Vancouver FC against TSS Rovers, that's oh, the that kind would... of rivalry you're gonna uh, That would be a lot of fun. I would enjoy that. Winner of that going on to maybe face Pacific. Oof. Then the white yeah. caps come into it. Oh, tasty, tasty stuff. Yeah. Getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But that is it for our Vancouver FC chat with one more part to go. I know I said it was going to be a three part show. I turned it into a four part show. That's what I do. We'll be back with the final part of the show as we're going to turn our attention to Major League Soccer. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Max and Kipwolf, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I met a man, he was a good man, sailing and shoring, dancing the beta can down, making the foreign, ah oh, yeah. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and kicking off this part, another song from a 1993 self-titled debut album. It's not by Suede this time, it's by Frank Black, otherwise known as Black Francis from the Pixies. 
and his self-titled album, Frank Black, and that's the opening track from it, Los Angeles. We've played it on the, the show a few times before, just a little snippet, snippet, a longer version of it there. He sings I Wanna Live in Los Angeles, but not the one in Los Angeles. I think everyone just now wants to be in Los Angeles for those big celebrations because mm. the champs are here, or there, more likely. <laughs> LAFC are MLS champions. Up the goats. <laughs> and what a match. I know neither of us have had a chance to watch it in full, live. Uh, I've watched the highlights and then I've watched little snippets. I'm going to sit down this week and watch yeah. the whole game. I've just not had two hours plus in my schedule to sit down and watch this. But from what I saw, one of the best MLS Cup finals of all time. Totally, yeah. Same same for me. Uh, it was It was crazy. That was a crazy, crazy it's a game. game. It's, like, it's tough that someone has to lose that. But the twists and turns. Yeah. I mean, the goals. Kellen Acosta opens the scoring for LA in the 28th minute. And you think, ah, they've got the home crowd rocking yeah. and they're rolling now and they're going to push on. Philly, though, fought back. Daniel Gazdag has been outstanding for them this year. Leveling it up just before the hour mark. But then, then Jesus. Yeah, your friend Jesus. Yeah. Didn't save LAFC, but he did put them ahead in the 83rd minute. And again, you thought, that's I'm done it now. And I think oh, probably a part of them thought, oh, we've done this now. We're just going to see this out. And I think this just shows you what kind of a team Jim Curtin's just put together. Because they just go up the field and two minutes later, they bring it back to two all Jack Elliott. And I haven't seen this incident, but I've seen folks saying that he may have been fortunate to be on the pitch. There was a, an incident that could have had him sent off. I haven't mm. seen that, so I need to check that out. I haven't had a, a chance don't, to do that. Don't worry, Michael. I'm sure MLS referees and their VAR system got it right. I'm, sh I'm sure. It's not like Scottish VAR that <laughs> not going great so far. Um, but yeah, 2-2 two -two at the end of regulation. And when Elliot scored, the celebrations and the Philly fans were absolutely fantastic. One thing I do want to say, though, I've been very complimentary of the LAFC support. I think it's one of the best in the league, the atmosphere that they bring. Are you concerned about the throwing of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> like, genuinely, that they need to get that in order. That happens a lot at LAFC games. I think that's part of making it a place that people don't want to come and play or mm. making it a... Uh, volatile, <laughs> ruckus atmosphere. I'm not. I'm a. Con Possibly. I'm not condoning. I'm not condoning it the way you would you know, back in the day. But um. <laughs> welcome to Bottle Throwing Awareness Month here yeah. at AFTN. <laughs> well, I thought. I thought those stadiums. I thought they don't like. They take away the lids and stuff, so you can't throw like a. I think that was the case. Though, oh right? yeah, I, you can piss in it and get some extra weight and just chuck it onto the pitch. That's the the good old right. Scottish way. Right. Another reason, ladies and gentlemen, why you don't want to stand next to Michael. <laughs> Michael, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. Look the other I, way. I'm older now. The stream's not the same. <laughs> I need one of those smaller bottles. <laughs> but yes, at the end of the 90 minutes, we're tied up at two apiece. We're into extra time. The drama continues. Second half of extra time. 116th minute. Corey Burke played through. He's racing in on goal. Maxime Cropot runs out of goal, probably with a tackle that may have very well saved LA 
FC's game and probably won them it because I think if Burke had put that away, we wouldn't have had all the drama that was going to follow. Well, there wouldn't have been all the extra time. No, right? I mean, but, but yeah, but Max you never know. comes you never out know. You never know. absolutely crunching challenge on Cody Burke. So he and did, again, I have we said this before. I have not gone back and watched the no. slow mo, whatever. So basically, he just he smashes into Burke, right? He yeah. just kicks him. Right? I, I think. From from what I can gather without watching a close up thing, because yeah. obviously we know it's it's Max's shin, and looking at how Burke was holding his leg, I think it was shin and shin, yeah, yeah, or knee on shin. It's one of those two things. But Burke was down as well, and I was like, oh boy, and Ishmael I knew they had been ascending off. Well, Ishmael issued a yellow card, didn't he? Yeah, see, I knew they'd been ascending off, and it was only when I got home and watched it. That I didn't know it was Max that had been sent off. Yeah, because no, I thought I it was Burke for the challenge on on Max. I thought something had happened in the box or something. And then yeah, it was a yellow card by Ishmael. Very generous yellow card. I don't think there's any question. It was a it was a dog. So it it was a red yeah. card. And yeah. I know it's harsh. Max is screaming in pain on the deck, and Elfath goes up to him and kind of says, "I've got to send you off here." But then doesn't at least put it in his face. Yeah, he goes yeah. back and just flashes it. And I think Max, heart and hearts, when he watches it back, he'll know oh, yeah. it was a red card. And he yeah. he did he did make one uh nice save earlier in the game. Oh uh, yeah. Uh what, what do you think he was like for the goals? Because I think at least one of them he should have done better on. I know um, Elliot's header was a bullet header, but Did he get a hand to that? He I think it was Elliot's one that he got the hand to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might have been Gazdag's one, but I can't remember. There's been so much football this weekend. Yeah, but exactly. whatever one it was, I feel like he could have had a stronger hand on that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, I mean, the the what what I watched him, he just still he still contributed to the to the victory. Oh, ab- absolutely. And if you follow Max on Instagram, probably high on morphine at the time, flashing yeah. his his cup winners medal. So he's got that to show for it as well as his surgery. But it was like a double whammy for LAFC because they're down a man and they lose their starting goalkeeper. And then on comes seven-year veteran John McCarthy, former Philadelphia Union player for for four seasons as well. So many stories in this game. Oh, I mean, McCarthy. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to him shortly. But he must have been so nervous coming into a game like that, cold uh, as well. And he kind of showed it on. on yeah, there was break. a few little fumbles. But then four minutes into stoppage time of extra time, Elliot gets his second of the game, but McCarthy had pulled out an absolutely stunning save, but then just couldn't but, turn it away out of the danger zone. But he, he made a fumble in the before, like in the He made a fumble before in the build-up, yeah. But The next save was a great save, and Elliot was there to tap in... Yep. Essentially tap in the, the rebound. And again, at that point, you think, well, that's it. Oh, yeah. I I, I don't want to say game over, as you someone else might say. You don't want to. But I, if I'd been watching that live, I would have thought, oh, well, that's it. Well done, Philly. You've taken advantage when it mattered. And you saw what it meant to the Philly fans, you saw what it meant to the players. And and you're like, you're like Elliot, what more could you do in this game? <laughs> Oh, I mean, what he should have done is gone into his sock, taken out a mobile communication advice <laughs> device, and phoned home. Yeah, there you go. Nice. 
but he was he's a throwback for our, our younger listeners yeah totally um but, but there was relevant but so he got his brace but then he also got what do you what are the, what is the term now like posterized uh, i forget what tyler twelman said on the broadcast um he got dunked on on the equalizer that was that was him oh was he, it yes so LA goes down the field and like whatever with you know in the seven or eight or nine or eight minutes. eight minutes officially it is into yeah. the stoppage time. So I had initially been told nine, but then but I checked the stats before we recorded it said eight. Yeah, so the LA comes down the wing and Gareth Bale, who's hardly touched the ball. I think they said it was his fourth touch. Yeah, fourth of the, touch. They came after coming on and he, getting advice from Mark DeSantis as to what to do when he came on. So course. basically, Mark Mark got that goal. Totally, and he r- rose above Elliot and headed home. And again, great celebration. Great celebration and great like, especially it was a nice celebration because I don't know, uh, and I don't watch every LAFC game, but. You know, you always think of their goals in front of the other end, right? And I don't remember a lot of, I don't remember seeing a lot of celebrations like that with those, that part of the No, actually. So I was really nice to see. Yeah. He made but a he, beeline for them. He didn't, he knew right no. away that's where he was going. And it's like, I know he hasn't had a great stint at LAFC, no. but. Almost a bust, you could he, all see. Well, but yeah, he showed his quality. Like he had, well, like. He did. Like he had. Big that, time you know, player for a big time yeah. occasion. With like that crazy goal in the Champions League, right? Like mm-hmm. Champions League final, right? Like and yeah. scoring for Wales as well. There you go. Playoff games and stuff. So yeah, I think that that was that it was crazy. Yeah. Then I think, I think it, MLS was very happy about. Oh, about they will have been. Because it's like there's something you can market across the world oh, for yeah. sure. Well, Don was talking about it the day before, yeah. like oh, all these great players that have come to our league and blah 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 and. Of course, Gareth Bale was top of that list or near top of that list. Goes to penalties. And mm-hmm. you're thinking, oh, Philly's probably going to fancy their chances here. Andre Blake, such a fantastic goalkeeper. McCarthy, he's nervous. He's just come in. We don't know what he's like. But it has a bit of a reputation for being a penalty expert. And both teams miss their first penalties. Oh, that's that slip. Oh, oh boy. Man. I so um, felt for him because yeah. if your penalty saved or you crack it off the woodwork, yeah. fair enough. But if you slip in your sky like that, yeah, felt off. And he that was the goal scorer, right? That was uh, was that not uh, Gazdag? Mm, he missed the first one. Yeah, so that was Gazdag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that was a that was a tough one. But they both missed the first one. But then Philly missed all three. LAFC scored their next three to win 3-0 on penalty kicks. And McCarthy, two big saves in that penalty shootout. And this must be, well, I mean, it's a surreal moment for him. He spoke about it afterwards. He's still trying to process it. I don't even know how you process something like that. So he's on officially in the 117th minute. Yeah. So even including all the time that's added on, he has played 12 minutes of action and a penalty shootout and he gets the MVP of the final. Yeah. Is crazy. there any other player of a game that's been on a pitch less time than that and got a, an MVP award? Yeah, that's a good question. Not that, it can, not that it comes to mind. I mean... Like, oh, I mean, sorry. Uh, I mean, Lars Rinken 
in the 97 Champions League final at the Olympiastadion in Munich, walks on the pitch with his first touch, chips uh, Angelo Peruzzi from like, I don't know, 30 yards or something. And it was, I think it was a 3-1 final, and that was the third goal, I think. So, but, but yeah, I mean, not not the same, but... Yeah, I mean, f- phenomenal for him. How he can go back to being a backup now, I don't know. And that's the problem they have. Of course, right away, he doesn't have to because of Max's injury. Whitecaps could do with maybe a John McCarthy coming in. <laughs> I know. I've, obviously, we talk about how badly we feel for Max, but... And I, I, well, I McCarthy saw, I actually saw... said he's absolutely devastated for him, which was... Oh, yeah. So many mixed emotions for a guy because these keepers are a close group. Totally. Uh, I saw people before the game. I think it was before the game online talking about like, oh, like I hate Max. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. I was going to talk about did, this. Did any of that continue after? That was something I was going to ask you because I genuinely have hardly been on Twitter this weekend because I was going to say I haven't I, seen anything. I, I hope just, there isn't anyone gloating. I in, saw in one comment, but I'm pretty sure it was from before the game. I saw a comment from before. Yeah, definitely. Okay. But um, if anyone's gloating about Max's injury, just oh, yeah. ETFO. It's like, yeah. there's no room for that at no. all. And he's, and also, he's and a also, national team keeper as well. And also, like, for those who were, like, upset, you know, blah, blah, Um, The dude was right. Yeah, he said he the wanted dude, to go to win a trophy. To to I, a I saw club. someone describe him as a, a trophy-hunting rat. Yeah. He wanted to go to a club that wanted to win, yeah. that had the ambition to win. He went and won the three Two trophies things. you can win. Three, if you count that conference trophy or whatever, right? Um, but I, no, I don't. Like, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't either, but I know some... some but yeah, I guess it's like three. But, yeah. So yeah, he went. He accomplished what he, what he wanted to do. Um, the whole... And I saw some people, again, pre-match, as far as, as, far as I can recall... Who were ragging on him about like, oh, your special family situation, blah blah blah. I, I don't know if we, I can't remember if we ever got clarity over this, Michael. We haven't. I have been told stuff that there was something. No, 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 no. But, but 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 again, I think that my my speculation of the situation, which I think I said at some point in the off season last year, is that he. Uh, I think that that was maybe there are some family elements to it, but I also think the Whitecaps didn't want him to come out and say, "Yeah, I'm going to a club that wants to." Oh, win. absolutely! Right. Like so, what like, club I, wants I, to hear your player? The whole, the whole special situation. I don't know is all of his desire. Hey, let's say I want. There's a special situation. I think he was trying not to disrespect the Whitecaps in his he, departure. He was, and that's the thing that people I I think haven't fully yeah. appreciated. Yeah. yeah. Do you know something as well? I'd kind of put some feelers out to to speak to Max after the MLS Cup this week before he joined up with Canada. Yeah. Obviously, can't now because, no. as I said on a show before in the build-up to this, a lot of time for Max. He's always been so generous with his time totally. with us, putting up with all the nonsense I've thrown at him over the years. And, yeah, we had planned to potentially have a little chat if the if time had uh, allowed, but obviously not now. And I wish, as we said in the first part, Mark, all the very best for Max for a, a speedy recovery. But I mean, what a win for LAFC! Take a bow, Steve Chirondolo. 
winning Supporters Shield, Western Conference, MLS Cup in his first season in charge. Mark DeSantis too, as an assistant. Yeah, good for you. Good for you, Mark. I'm happy for you. Manu Veth got a chance to chat with him after the the game yesterday. He sent his regards to the the gang up here. Okay. Um. So again, I'll hopefully speak to Mark in the the off season as well about everything. I mean, in some ways, it's a a bad thing that LAFC won because if you look at the difference of how these teams were built, LAFC spending money, big name players, Philly, homegrown talent, not spending big money manager that's slowly built this un- up after time I-, I worry that clubs look at this and go let's follow the LAFC approach but to his credit and I don't say this often Don Garber said in his State of the League address this week that Philadelphia Union is the model that clubs in MLS should be looking to follow <laughs> getting that academy what? getting your players coming through and building right. building that I don't think he's talking about. I, I don't think he's talking about the money, though, because he also, Michael, he speaks out. He has to, I guess, speaking out of both sides of his mouth, because he's also in his talk trumpeted how well the league has done in terms of bringing in big name uh, players and how much they've both spent and received in the January transfer window, uh, especially in relation to the rest of the world. And he said, we, you know, we've reached the top five in that sense. So yes, Philadelphia. Uh, provides a certain type of model and has shown success with it. But I don't think in his heart of hearts is like he wants every club to be Philadelphia. I mean, beyond, beyond, beyond the academy, beyond the, beyond the academy and investing in the right ways. Um, And, you know, obviously they'd like every club to, to, you know, make good decisions in the transfer window and players brought in and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't think he, he wants the LAFCs. He wants the Toronto FCs. He wants, you know, the pre- kind of previous iterations of Atlanta FC, you know, to be sp- Seattle, to be spending money on, you know, big name players and stuff. I- I'm sure he will have been delighted to to hear Vela saying he wants to win at least another one, maybe two MLS Cups with LAFC. So he's not planning on going there. And mm-hmm. he's a very marketable person for this league with the, the huge Mexican community in in the US. And he's not he's not supposed to be in their World Cup squad, right? No. By the looks of it, no. That's interesting. Now, we mentioned Don Garber's State of the League address there. Just to round the show up, we'll just cover a, a couple of little things from it. And then the, there's something I want to cover in this that we'll go into more depth in a, in a future show. But, I mean, Garber spoke about this has been a, a fantastic season for the league. Viewership up 16%. That, of course, might change with this new Apple TV deal, and that is the thing I want to talk about in a future show. So we'll we'll, sit, we'll park that bus for now. Yeah, it's we'll a longer conversation for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a very long conversation to have about that. Over 10 million people came in to watch MLS matches. Yeah. That's a phenomenal figure. Yeah, it's a lot. But I remember, yeah, there's a lot of games. I don't, with 30, it's more, it's more than a normal league, right? Like, Normal league doesn't have, you know, almost 30 teams. The couple of other things just quickly that that he mentioned. Obviously, St. Louis is coming in this year, 29th club. Up the Lutes. He'd said 30, and Las Vegas was still the favourite for that, and still seems to be that he said it might be midway through the year that they'll get some movement on that. But San Diego seemed to have really 
come into the mix now as well. And I think everyone's expecting we'll go up to 32 clubs. So mm. if Vegas are 30, San Diego will be 31 or vice versa. But they clearly really want Vegas in the league. And he was very complimentary about what Landon Donovan is doing down in San Diego. And why would you not want the guy that your MVP award is named after? Oh, he loves the Landy Kicks. Yeah. And like, it, in all honesty, like what Donovan has done and built down there is fantastic. Not a huge fan of having so many clubs in close proximity when there's such a vast continent. I mean, I love local derbies. But you've got three Texan teams now. You'd be adding a San Diego team so close to the two LA teams. And then you've got San Jose in there as well. It is great for rivalry. So I do obviously love that side of it. But, I mean, you're looking at Phoenix, Sacramento, who's another California club. They seem to never be getting a, a team in the league now. feel terrible for them. Yeah. But... He doesn't see a change in the model for designated players coming in with a new TV deal and stuff. He likes how it's operating just now. That can obviously change quickly. Gave the league a lot of credit in the MLS clubs for Canada's growth as a national team and get to the World Cup. I, I know what he meant, though, because... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is because a, a, a lot of the players have come through those MLS clubs and the MLS academies that's in the national team. I just... Like I said to you, I, I wonder if he's suffered any arm or limb, limb or hand injuries from all the uh, patting himself on the back that he does over that. I mean, if nothing else, though, at a time where there wasn't other professional clubs in the country, the MLS teams gave Canadians a, a place to play. But then you say all that about Canada, but then you've had restrictive work practices for Canadians yeah. in the league over the years. So that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. Nope. There is a little element to it that they certainly have played their part. But yep. the, the last thing I want to talk about, and I meant to talk about this uh, a few weeks ago when it was first broken by The Athletic on October 25th. It's been a, another exciting season in MLS. It's been another fantastic playoffs. And I've mm. loved the playoffs. They have been tremendous again this year. Last year, super excited yeah. as well with this new format, the single knockout games. Yeah, what, that's what, been great. Why would you want to change that? Well, because MLS likes to change. I mean, I think maybe you never thought of this. Maybe they lost the napkin. Oh, they've drawn up a new one. It wasn't the same. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the Athletic broke a story on October 25th that MLS may be in line for a huge overhaul of their playoffs. And I think you can be pretty sure it's been driven by this Apple TV deal. They've looked at the playoffs, they've seen how exciting it is, and they thought, we want more of that, mm. which I get. But you dilute it by having more of it. It's like, we want more Cascadian derbies. They don't feel as special anymore. They're still special, mm -hmm. but they're not quite as special when you've then got LA derbies and you've got Texan derbies and the New York derbies. You've, if you just play each other once in a season... It's a way more exciting than when we're playing a three games a season against every team. But that's changing, so that is a, a good thing, at least as well. But the plan appears to be, and there's still a lot... Nothing's been confirmed about this, first and foremost, but there's still a lot that could change. But the league are looking to switch from the current seven teams per conference setup right now to next year have roughly 30 postseason matches instead of the current 13. 
A, a source told The Athletic that they are looking at the possibility of World Cup-style playoff tournaments in which the top eight teams in each conference advance to the playoffs. They're then placed in two groups of four, split by conference. After three group stage matches, the top two from each group move to a knockout stage, also still keeping the Eastern Western Conference, proceeding that way until a conference champion is crowned and the two conference champions meet in the MLS Cup. What's your initial thoughts on that? Well, what, what, what can you say about that? Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, they, they're trying to make money some way. Uh, so they, they just want more of what's worked. But the more games you add, it just absolutely dilutes the regular yeah. season all the more. Yeah, yeah. Not every match can be a cup final. No, you that's know? what they want to get. I mean, obviously, it's, it's an innovative idea to have a World Cup style tournament for clubs. Maybe a club World Cup. <laughs> Don't think anyone's thought of that. Someone alert to Chicago media. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, again, it. it I mean, you and I, I think, are more traditionalist, purist at heart in terms of like, hey, there's something valuable about declaring your true winner as the team who does the best in the large competition over the larger period of time. I mean, in an ideal scenario where you play everyone equal number of games, home and away, and that's your true champion, right? Like, I, 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 that's not the North American model. That's not how things work here. Um, but I think that uh, that's the model I like. Like it was one of the things I appreciated about when I, you know, started engaging with with football, you know, back in the in the '90s or whatever. Um, and so I I like that, and I think it's better. Um, obviously, does it create issues with games at the end being less meaningful for a significant number of teams? Yes, it does, especially when you don't have relegation to play for. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I, I, I obviously my first inclination with something like this is I don't like it, but could it be good? It, it could be. I think uh, to their credit, they. I mean, it, it would be an... exciting to watch. I mean, I, I'm not doubting that for a minute. Yeah, uh, but again, it also just devalues that league season, which yeah. they don't care about because their true champion is not that. So, well, I mean, if if you look, what you could be talking about is a 34 game MLS season. You've got US Open Cup and Canadian Championship games, so you could be talking, I don't know, four, five, six matches for the team that wins that or goes deep. You've got this new League's Cup game, which could be anything up to seven matches for teams. Um, this playoff format could be six, seven games for teams as well. That's a lot of football to be played in a, a shortage window, really. Mm-hmm. Unless they look to expand the season, but then you're looking at weather issues and various stuff like that as well, and honouring international dates and, and stuff like that. F- for this to go ahead, it would have to be voted upon by the league's board of governors next month. And, I mean, it still could happen. Garber was asked about it at his State of League address, and I won't read you the whole quote, it's a long quote, but he... he thinks the playoff format has been fantastic and it's been very exciting the league's going to grow to soon to be 30 teams and he says for that you need to evolve your competitive schedule 
and your competitive format. Here in North America, playoffs are a driver of excitement and a driver of focused interest for fans. Our fans are no different. The league doesn't sit behind the curtain, the mighty Oz curtain, and make these decisions because we think it will be fun. Which did make me think, is he really saying that they do and there's a bunch of chimpanzees making all these decisions? (laughs) Or whatever monkeys it was. Been a while since I saw the film. Um, He says, we do research with our fans. We speak to our media partners. We gauge what the interest and buzz and energy around the playoffs and when they're taking place. If it makes sense for us to evolve as we have over time, we do that. I don't think any of the changes that we've ever made with these competitive changes have been bad. Most people would agree with that. So are there changes you could make which would make good things even better? Perhaps. In the off-season, as we always do, and other leagues do the same, we sit down with our competition committee and with our chief soccer officers with input from research that we do with our fans and determine if something needs to be tweaked. If we can come out where tomorrow is better than today, we'll do it. If we can't, we won't. I did end up reading pretty much the whole quote after saying yeah, I wasn't going to, but yeah. I yeah, think it's a lot to cover Michael, don't here. worry. They've never done anything that was bad. So it'll be all I, good. If it's any all fans, good, Michael. Have they reached out to any of the fans that's listening to this? Let us know if you've had your input to put in. Oh, they, 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 they do send out regular surveys. Oh, they do, yeah. They do that kind of stuff and connect with the clubs to have them connect with the support. But... I mean, again, I think this year has been quite exciting for what it is. But if you're going to do this, I mean, for me, they need to go more full-blown with these smaller, like, halves or or four quadrants or whatever in terms of, um, like, the league play, right? Like, they need to have have the two conferences as two total separate entities where you – um, you they can play home and away. Never That's, the twain shall meet. Yeah, and you meet only, you meet only in the playoffs. So then, then you maybe then you can do crazy things with playoffs, and you can have it as almost like a second season. But so, that's the USL setup because it's such a big league now. Right, and I can't even remember what the USL is currently doing. It's been so long since I. Think I they're at fifty six clubs. It feels like, and no, but I don't know their format for like you know stuff or whatever. But uh, yeah. You don't. I mean, the only reason you want to keep those thirty-four games is owners don't want to never want to give updates, right? So it's like the owners want more dates, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, which you, I don't think you can have it both ways. I really don't think it'll be great for the players. I don't think it would be great to like you, you know, as you went listen to all those games, and you're like, well, this is going to increase things by whatever six games or depending on how far teams go, you know, all that. I don't think that that's the the answer. I think that. I think that maybe breaking things down, having a small, if you if you don't value the competition, having a bit of a smaller league competition so you can have an increased playoff one could be how they could move forward. Mm. Now, I don't want that for the Canadian Premier League one day, you know, if they ever get big enough. Like, I, I hope they'll say, no, you know, 16 or something is our max and we're going to go 30 league games and we're going to have a second division and a third division and whatever. Um, but, you know, those are... Those things are quite far off, but... Yeah. I mean, the thing for me, the last thing I'll say on this about the playoffs, what makes the current format so exciting for me is it's single elimination. Yeah. yeah. Straight knockout. 
That has been much better. Did they do that? It's, it's the first year or the second year? This is the second year of it. Yeah, because remember last, last year was really good. Been yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. I, 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 I know it's tough. You're one and done. Your season's over after going so hard to make the playoffs. That's the stupidity of playoffs, really. I just like it. I just think one and done, straight knockout. That's what's brought the excitement. Yeah. And in a group stage, you're then losing that. Yeah. And you're going to get more boring games because oh, yeah. you'll be like, oh, I only need a draw from this. Let's sit back, blah, blah, blah. And, or, hey, or you're going to have those dead rubber games where they're yeah. meaningless. And who's going to show up to that? You know, you're in a you're in a group in the playoffs. It's your last game. It's meaningless. You're out. They're going to have empty stadiums. You know, like it's not going to be. It's one of my worries for this deal with Apple because they've put a lot of investment into this league and they'll have a big say in shaping the future yeah. of the league. But we'll get into that in a, yeah. in a future episode. Yeah, I think sure. let's just knock it on the, the nail on the head for this. We've gone into Monday morning recording this. It's been a long weekend for me. My voice is still holding up. Before we go, any final thoughts from you, Zach? Where can folk find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zach Graham. You can find me on my knees praying for Fonzie's hamstring. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, uh, all seriousness. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to, to uh, the, the uh, whatever, 150, 200 people that were at the gathering on Wednesday. It was really great to see some people. I got to talk to some people more than others. Um, yeah, I want to give a big but, shout out to Stephen and John as well. That I yes. had a good chat to a couple of nice guys, listeners totally. to the show. But yeah, really, ex another exciting moment in the in the lead up to the Canadian Premier League coming to the Lower Mainland, and just excited for uh, all the the chapters that will follow. I am Michael McCall. Follow me on Twitter if you're not already at AFT in Canada, and all our stuff on YouTube, YouTube.com/AFT in Canada. We'll have an extra podcast out this week in the build up to the U Sports Nationals, UBC Thunderbirds focused. And it's still Thunderbirds week on AFTN. It's going to end up being something like Thunderbirds 9 or 10 days because I've been running out of time to get everything done. So check that out on the website as well. I've got some good interviews to come, including with Victory Shambusho. And yeah, just it's been a busy time. I love this time of year, playoff time, championship time and college soccer. If you're in the the mood for taking in some football out in Langley at the Langley Event Centre on the pitch and the area that's going to be the new home to Vancouver FC. The CCAA Nationals are taking place out in Langley. They're being hosted by Lungara this year mm. and it's getting taking place up at the LEC from Wednesday to Saturday. Eight teams from across the country coming to do that one. I've got the call for a bunch of those games alongside Corey Basso. We're going to alternate in the build-up to that and then we're both going to do the bronze medal game and the final on the Saturday. So get out and support some local soccer. It's going to be chilly, but it's going to be some good football there. Maybe hope to see some of you around there as well. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Make sure you go and download Neil Grant's Canadian World Cup song, Nobody Believed Us. Support Neil Support our encouragement of Neil to get that song done. And yeah, let's hope Fonzie is okay. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care, mon the caps, most importantly, mon Fonzie's hamstring.
going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.